Welcome back to the Practice Purchase Podcast. This is season six. Season six is all about successful transitions. And at Dental Buyer Advocates, we define a successful transition as one where you realize the full value of the practice you bought. Meaning, you're happy where you work, there's money coming into your pocket, and you feel like you have a path forward to reach all of your practice goals. Now, that means a path forward is going to include questions that we don't have the ability at DBA to answer. We get a lot of questions about everything under the sun, and we have answers for most of them. You want to talk accounting, tax, payroll companies, credit card companies, insurance credentialing, no problem, we've got you covered. But a lot of clients will come to us with very specific questions like, when do I add a treatment coordinator? Or how do I know that this office manager that I'm about to keep as part of this practice I'm buying is any good? Or how do I know how to set up the right system to make sure that my schedule's full? And to those really good questions, we often tell our clients, well, you're probably going to need a consultant after you buy that practice. So how do you choose a good consultant? How much are they going to cost? Are they flying out? Can they do it virtually? How do you know a good one from a bad one? In this episode, I'm talking with Kira Dent, the owner of Dental A-Team. And Kira is one of my favorite people in dentistry. She is an amazing consultant. And the Dental A team is, God, they're, they're a team of consultants that understand you. They're, dent, they're dental specific. They fly around all over the country helping clients and teams. And they're building relationships with doctors and they're delivering results. That's the most important thing uh, that I look for when I'm looking for a consultant. And as I've sent a lot of people over to the dental aid team, the consistent feedback that I get from clients who are using them is, oh my gosh, Brian, they've delivered so much value. I see the results that they promised and then some. So with that in mind, let's listen to Kira Dent from the dental aid team talk about consulting in the time at the time that you're about to buy a dental practice. Welcome, Kira Dent, to uh, Practice Purchase Podcast. I'm going to steal your my favorite line from when you go talk and just remind people that Dent is actually your real last name and you had it before you started your consulting career in dentistry. Is that true? This is all true. Um, you yes. just forgot to mention that it took me three fiancés to get it. So there was a price associated with such a great last name in dentistry. <laughs> Two failed engagements to get the third, but it was worth it. I'm here for it. And I love it. And I've actually asked you about your marriage and you tell me you have the best marriage in the world. And so there you go. Yeah, I do. It was worth it. I mean, the other two, they were really rough last names. Like who would really want those? I mean, I definitely had to upgrade the last name. (laughs) Surely. So Kira, you run the dental aid team, consultancy, world famous. Um, You guys have a stellar reputation around the country. I'm sure most folks have heard of you. Let me ask you this. My clients are buyers. A lot of them need consultants. They want consultants. They don't know. They know lots of things they don't know. And then they also know that they don't know lots of things that they don't know. <laughs> right. And so let me, when would you tell a brand new buyer who, by the way, has $400,000 in student loans, mm-hmm. just, you know, borrowed another 1.5 million to buy the practice in the building and they're feeling the financial pressure. When should they realistically actually hire a practice management consultant? And we'll talk about the differences between consultants and things, but your your generic practice management consultant, when would you recommend they hire? Well, Brian, thanks for saying that because you honestly spoke exactly to who I was when I purchased my first practice with a dentist. She was technically a million in debt. Thank you, Midwestern Student Loans. Um, 900000 of student loan debt. We had to spend $2 million to buy our practice. Um, 
and that also involved another construction loan on top of it to move our practice. And I will tell you, I made so many dang mistakes because I didn't know what the heck I was doing that, yes, it feels like you're a lot in debt, but I wish that I would have had somebody coach me through all the pieces. So for a new practice owner, what I would say is get something of some sort of help from the beginning because you're going to save thousands of dollars of like actual dollars, but also of your ROI time and mental stamina. And I think that to me was the hardest lesson being a new practice owner, having all the student loan and debt, we were trying to scrimp and save. And I think we cut corners in areas that I wish we wouldn't have cut corners, cut corners and don't need to buy as many fancy schmant supplies. Like we got by with all the instruments and all the different pieces we could have, but I would say having a good coach, but again, coaching is kind of like marketing. And I would say, and like, I say this with respect in the industry, make sure that the coach you hire is actually going to get you an ROI as opposed to just coaching you. Cause I do think that there can be some things with marketing with other pieces, but make sure every financial decision you make is going to make you at least two times what you're, what you're paying um, yep. was kind of my standard of what I wish I would have done as a new owner. So I would definitely okay. recommend within your first three months. Um, otherwise definitely within your first year, but I think you can save a lot of time, heartache and financial decisions by hiring sooner. Okay. Sooner than later. I love it. I'm going to come back for, so I love your metric of two to one. Um, I, I, there, there's like three different questions I can ask about that, but I want to go back to one of the earlier, the earliest part of your answer was there's lots of different areas where a new owner could hire help. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and help can mean lots of different things. It could be an additional employee. It could be someone to manage the website. Uh, could be an insurance credentialing expert. It could be you helping me talk through things. Like, so, um, I, I hear most buyers nervous about two things. Like I'll kind of lump everything into marketing and I'm doing air quotes right now. Marketing being patient acquisition, not losing the patients that I just bought, um, getting new butts in the seats, et cetera, Google reviews, et cetera, you know, all of those things. So there's the marketing bucket and then there's the people bucket. Mm -hmm. um, what am I missing? What else should people be thinking about and looking to say, where am I going to get the biggest bang for my buck first? Like just name the categories for me. Like where should I be thinking about help? So I always wait for my, my criteria for me, whenever I'm adding something is how is this going to propel me forward? So like, I'm not going to hire just any team member. I hire really expensive treatment coordinators who are going to close cases for me because that's going to put more production on my schedule. I'm not going to just go hire marketing for the sake of getting Google reviews. Are those Google reviews actually going to translate into new patients? Because if they're not, let me spend something that's actually going to get me those new patients. So I really think for me, it was what additional skills could I add on? So for us, we spent a lot of money actually on skill acquisition. So implants, ortho, again, because those are bringing a massive ROI to the practice. They're making us a much better a much better practice. So depending upon where you are as a new buyer, if you're doing an acquisition, yes, for sure, you got to keep those patients, but you already have quite a bit of quote unquote production and revenue within your practice because you bought, like that's why you buy an exactly. existing practice is for that ROI. If it's a startup practice, you've definitely got to invest in marketing because you need those patients to feed the bills. And so that's where I would invest. So depending upon what part of the practice you're in is really going to determine which zone I would invest in. So yes, there's the people, but be careful on your people. You don't need all the pieces. You could outsource quite a few things for much less. Like don't go hire a brand new biller. Let's outsource that because that's definitely way less of the cost as opposed to having to bring in a biller. Maybe you don't need an office manager right away, but you need a really killer treatment coordinator who can close cases for you and you can manage the team from the beginning but if you don't know how to do that and you're not great with people, I would also say hire help in the areas you are not strong. 
So if you're not great with people management, hire somebody who can help with people management. If you're not good with bookkeeping or finances, get a really good bookkeeper. But for sure, I'm really big on with a new practice. Yes, you've got your people, making sure you've got right people that are awesome. And don't go for cheap labor. I remember hiring my first treatment coordinator who I could not afford. And I told her, you've got three months to prove yourself because I can't pay for you after three months. She proved that she could be well worth every penny I spent. But that um, definitely marketing, Marketing, I think you can actually do a lot more with internal referrals, especially if you're buying right from the get-go to save some costs there. Um, and then I would say you've got to make sure you've got a dang good bookkeeper who actually can help keep your finances good. Yeah, right. um, and so you know if your cash flow is actually there or not. Those would be the three areas. And I know, Brian, they're really not sexy and they're not fun. But I think those three areas, if you really dive into and or the fourth of being additional skill set addition, mm, if yeah. you can actually add it to your practice, don't go do it for the ego of, I know how to do implants, do it because you're actually going to put them into the practice and be strategic of which ones you do first. I love it. <clears throat> Did I hear correctly that Kara Dent, Dentley team, just in general, you you see most often, so your answer is, is a little more subtle than this, right? I'm going to pigeonhole you in an answer, but your real answer was it kind of depends right? The, the biggest ROI for your buck is going to be where I am as weakest as a new buyer. Mm -hmm. But I also heard you say is most buyers tend to be weakest around people. And they're going to probably see the biggest bang for the buck around um, just understanding how to manage a team really well and mm -hmm. get butts in the seats, have the those butts. <laughs> it's, I shouldn't refer to them as butts, but <laughs> yeah, have patients actually accept treatment and come back and leave. You know, so, so I hear people being maybe the most common answer. Is that a fair statement? I think it's a fair statement, especially for new owners. And the reason I think it's a fair statement is because in dental school, which I have the excellent vantage point of working at a dental school. So I actually know what you learn in school. Um, I worked at Midwestern University for three years. You don't learn the people side of it. And you're so stressed as a new owner of being able to handle like all these patients now are dependent on you. You haven't ever owned your own business before. You're trying to do like the show dazzle and wow on the dentistry side that who is taking care of your billing? Who is making sure the cases are closing? So I think the best ROI second to a coach who can help make sure you hire good people is hiring a great office manager but not just an office manager and namesake, they've got to be a good treatment coordinator and great with billing and great with people. So three criteria. but I found that new owners who have that person in play, they are always way more successful and further ahead than anybody else that I've ever seen come into it. So that would be my number one hire. If you already have a great office manager, my second great hire would be either a treatment coordinator or a biller, depending upon what's already in the practice or what you already have of skill set. But don't be afraid to maximize the skills of the people already in the practice before you go hire somebody else. Mm, yeah, which a good consultant can teach me to do. Okay, now I'm going to come back to the two to one and some of the money stuff around a consultant. But this is a really fun fact about you. How many practices have you owned? And just give mm. me a couple highlights from your ownership experience. Got it. So I have personally owned three. I've been kind of like silent partners in many others. And our first one, I think, is our most impressive. It was 500000 to $2.4 in nine months. And then we bought our second practice. And that was with a brand new grad straight out of school. We bought our second practice nine months in. Ended up with seven practices altogether. I sold out of that. And then I owned in Arizona. And then I've owned in a little other places. But those are like very like off dailies. I'm not really on the the pieces. So I don't know, Brian, what else you want to know from it? No, just the, I, just the fact that that 500 to 2.4 in nine months, I, I that sticks in my memory because mm -hmm. so few people have done that. And then, um, you know, it's one thing to 
like for me, yeah, I, I've done taxes and accounting. And so I understand this world. It's another thing for me to go in and say, yeah, that should be a crown on a, a filling. I mean, that's, I know the words, but I haven't lived that world, but you have, you've owned a practice, right. you've taken these practices up. So you have the credibility. So with that and in mind, let's also say within yeah. that, we also had to, our building was being um, torn down because they were building oh, right. dental yes, practice at the same spot. So not only did I have to move this whole patient base, build up another building, get a whole patient base to move down and yeah. then know that I'm having a competitor build right where this dental practice was within one year of doing so. So there was a lot on the stakes, but I think, and also with a brand new grad. And so that's also why I think I love consulting so much, Brian, is because I feel like I'm not just a consultant who has theories, but our company is literally based on people who have been there, done that and done it successfully. Why on the earth would you ever take the long route and not just like success leaves clues? Why not just ask and get the answers if you yeah. have it available? Well, and, it, and I think the answer, at least most buyers that work with me would say is because it's expensive and I'm nervous mm -hmm. and, and I don't know that I have the money and I have this working capital loan from the bank, but I'm not sure when it's going to run out. So, okay, with that in mind, um, what's a good consultant that's going to help me with my team, that's going to help me maybe either hire the next right person or like you, I really love what you said, really get my existing team firing on all cylinders, take them from maybe A, B, and C players to all A players, uh, which is maybe never happens, but would be <laughs> I was like, uh, I've never learned of that. So teach me. <laughs> <laughs> um, DBA, all of our team. Anyway, no, um, we have, we have, okay. So how, how much is a good consultant going to cost me and how do they typically charge? Like, give me a ballpark range for, um, you know, you, your competitors, mm -hmm. you can stay as general or specific as you want. Sure. So if you want virtual, um, right off the bat, you're looking usually about 20 grand annual, um, okay. give her plus or minus. And that means yep. not as much hands-on. They're going to be more coaching you. And also a lot of consulting companies will do, um, specific systems. So take a look and see what are you looking for? For me, um, I never worked with a consultant. So what Dentally Team did, I purposely built what I wish I would have had as a new owner and as a team. I think I've got a very unique perspective of both sides of the coin. And so I said, we're going to just make something that I wish I would have had as a resource for it. So if you want virtual, you're usually looking in that 20 grand range. Um, I might plan $2,000 a month for that. For coming in, which that is our highest package and most companies, when they come in person, you're looking about 50 grand is, is typical for that. Yeah. We're a little bit less than that, but we're right in that, we're right in that price point of, of what it's going to be in that area. So with that, knowing that, I would just say people are like scared. So let me just break it down. If it's $2,000 sure. a month, or let's say it's $4,000 a month. Okay. So either side of it, let's just make it very simple for you guys. You have to think I'm an absolute ludicrous consultant if I can't add two crowns to your schedule. That's all the cost is. And I think doctors get so scared of that, but I'm like, between lowering your overhead, fixing your team, closing more cases, and being able, like if I closed one case and got one more crown on your schedule or two or three or four, you would have to think I'm an absolute ludicrous consultant if I'm not good at that and I can't put my name on that. So while yes, it was terrifying and I've been there and that's why I love to speak to your crowd, Brian, and I love what you guys do. I'm so proud of who you guys are and just love being affiliated with you. Sent plenty of people to you guys because I just think <laughs> yes, you guys yeah. do it really well. Um, yeah. But I think it's got to be a piece of if they can't put their name on it and guarantee that ROI. Now, I can give you the tools, but if you don't show up and do it, that's not on us. That's you. you you've got to execute on it, too. But when people are scared of that money, I'm like, let's break it down into the actual treatment. Dentistry is a very lucrative industry in the fact of I'm not saying to overdiagnose, but I am saying if I can close your cases, even one or 2% more, if you're diagnosing X number 
add a one or two or 5% to that, which honestly a good consultant should be able to teach you guys how to do that. And I'm a consultant who I'm going to do a quick ROI. I'm not an idiot. I know you've got high loans. I know you've got a lot of things on you. So I need to get you a quick win where your production is either going up or your overhead's going down. So that cash flow is there. Now you get scared and there's different pieces, but I feel like if you can commit to that and you have someone who's on that side and who knows about getting you a quick win, you've got to realize, break it down into the procedure mix of how much is that consultant actually going to cost? And then it becomes easy for you. I know I could add two more crowns to cover my consulting fee. That's an easy thing because I often just underdiagnose or I'm not saying something, or let me just add in AI, which is going to help put everything there. And you're definitely going to be able to pay for it. But typically what I found is with a good consultant, they're looking at those pieces. And for me, I don't want to sit there and dilly dally with you. I want to make sure that we're having you get a quick ROI because I know how stressful it is to have loans. Um, but I think a good one is going to actually pay for themselves multiple times over. Well, it's the principle that I teach a lot of buyers, very similar to what you're talking about. I teach them most buyers come to me about five, between five and seven years out of their education, whether it was a GPR, AGD, four years of dental school, some kind of specialty, et cetera. And I tell them, you know, I wish we could have talked one year after you were done with schooling because those four year, four extra, five extra, six extra years, now you feel better talking to me because you've gotten your loans under control, but you're forgetting there was an opportunity cost to that lost time. And so that you're saying the exact same thing. You're saying, hey, I can get your practice to a point. I can get your team to a point. I can get you to a point where you're more effective and I'm going to help you measure it. I want to come back to some of those measurements because those were cool. But you're saying um, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you some money to get to that point. But there's a return on investment there. And I, you know, eventually that consultant's going to go away and those skill sets are going to be elevated um, in theory forever. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think you just really need to be smart on what is that consultant going to do in your practice? Because certain things are systems and skills, which are great to have. But as a new owner, I don't want to kumbaya and I don't want to just sit here and build foundation all day long when I've got heavy bills. So I think you need a consultant that understands both because I think foundation and systems and structure are super important. But there's also a cash flow piece that you've got to make sure that you're watching and an overhead piece to make sure that you are not getting deeper and deeper and deeper into debt, because all that does is create stress and chaos, which is the last thing we need a new owner to have. Our goal is to minimize that, exponentially increase the cash flow for you, so and also help you be an educated business owner too. I think for yep. me as a new business owner, I didn't understand cash flow or overhead. So I feel like I was just trying to like add more things to the fire, but I didn't have the tools to know which lever to turn to make it the most bang for my buck and for my time. Let me ask one more timing question. And then I want to, you use the phrase good consultant. I want to ask you how you would assess a good consultant here in a second, but just back on timing. Um, a lot of buyers will come to me and you know, I'll talk to them 30, 60, 90 days after they buy the practice, check in, how are you doing? Universally, <laughs> those first 30 days are stressful, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're just, you know, underwater. They're trying to figure out everything. Everything is new. Every patient interaction is new. And, and there isn't a lot of opportunity to change things, right? They're just trying to keep their head above water. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense to hire that consultant like before I close? Or would it make more sense for me to get 45, 60, maybe 75 days past closing date and just feel like, okay, whew, yes, I do know how to run payroll. I can't get like, people can get paid. Oh yes, I actually do know how people run a credit card through the front. You know, is that is that the wrong way of thinking about it? Brian, I don't think that there is a wrong way to think about this. I think don't be afraid and don't make the decisions from fear. Um, yeah. But I call it the the 90 days shakeout, aka almost six months shakeout. So as a new business mm -hmm. owner, 
anytime you buy a practice, anytime you start, there is 90 days of pure shenanigans that are just psychotic. Like I remember not sleeping and it was 2 a.m. to 10 p.m. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we can make it. And I said it was a 90 day shakeout before I even felt remotely confident. So just know like that is normal. normal. It's never going to yep. change. And just because you're a new owner doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Your next practice you buy, you're going to have the same dang thing. So don't be afraid of it. It's there for you. But to your point, Brian, I think it can go one of two ways. One is if you don't feel like you can take anything else on, that's the wrong way to think about it. Cause a good consultant should be able to take things off your plate. But at the same time, I think for me, the benefit of hiring somebody right away is I literally have dental Google and like a little dental fairy godmother at my fingertips. Anytime something's going wrong, mm. I shoot them a text. I ask them like, what would you do? That is definitely a benefit to hiring sooner. The benefit to hiring later is you don't feel like you have as many things going on. You have a little bit more breathing room. So I recommend if someone knows they're going to hire a consultant, hire us like you're a month before close, because there's a ton of things we can actually put into play. I call the month before close, like you know, you don't want to like when you're about to have a baby, like that month before you have a baby, I don't even have a kid, but I can imagine like that month before that baby comes, yeah. you're like, okay, I can get things done. And then that baby shows up and is like screaming, yeah. crying, all these things. You want to make sure you've got some systems in play. You've got the pieces put together. So when that baby does deliver, AKA you buy your practice, systems are in play to make it less stressful for you because it's still going to scream. It's still going to cry. You're still going to try and dazzle your team and your patients but at least you've got some structure and you aren't trying to learn everything all on day one. So yeah. either way I think is fine. It just depends on your personality. Do you want someone guiding you, holding your hand, walking through those first 90 days that are pure mayhem? Or are you like, no, I need to get like a wrap on it. I'm like, if you get a wrap on it, why do you need a consultant? <laughs> like, Honestly, <laughs> it's just kind of a silly question to ask, but I think that that's the fallacy that we often think of. Let me just get things under control and then I'll call you. And I'm like, yeah. But why would I call for a doctor when I've already healed myself? I wouldn't. I, yeah. I so to, I, yeah. You're chasing <laughs> I a feeling, right? I want to feel a certain way before I pick up that phone call. And, it, and you got it backwards. You're going to feel a certain way after you make the phone call. Right. Yeah, that makes right. sense. Okay. But again, it's cash flow. And I think that truthfully, Brian, I think the best, the best answer I have around cash flow and how you do your money is I think that there is a mental ROI, not necessarily a, a, a financial ROI all the time. And so if for yeah. you having... 20,000 in the bank gives you security as opposed to spending it. You just have to accept that that's who you are as a person. And maybe there's a way to get that security and still get the coach. I think oftentimes there is an and it doesn't have to be an or, but I really do think finances are, are funny and they play a lot with our emotional and our families and our physical stamina. And so I think that that is something to not be dismissed. You really do need to look at that emotional ROI. My husband he could not see anything until we paid off his student loan. So also coming, my husband's a pharmacist. I know what it feels like to have student loans, yeah. guys. Like I have been that family. I know the stress of having massive loans. I was super annoyed because we paid them off literally December, 2019. He graduated in um, May, 2015. So just so you know, I do know how to pay loans off quickly. And then freaking COVID and they all went on pause and no more interest. I was so bothered, yep. but it's fine. But I do think you really got to pay attention because like my husband could not sleep with knowing those loans were on him. Yep. So I think you have to take note of that mental ROI of what it does for your your psyche and what can you deal with. But don't allow that to be a crutch as well to not get the help or the support that would really benefit you long term. Love it. Good answer, Kira.